Pulp MX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Thanks, everybody, for joining me once again. I am your host, Chris Kiefer, and you are entered into... The Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and Race Tech. Rocky Mountain ATVMC is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side by sides, dual sport bikes, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three day shipping. It's so easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the premier shopping destination for the power sports enthusiast. So you know what a power sport enthusiast is? You, listening to this podcast, you are it. That's right. Thank you, Rocky Mountain. Thank you, Fly Racing, FlyRacing.com. You already know what I'm going to say, but I guess you didn't even know that I wore the... 2018.5 kinetic mesh in this test that we're about to talk about right now that I'm so excited to talk about I can't even finish my sentence it's one of those days on a dirt bike that you let's say you're driving home from the track and you're in traffic or you're just driving along doing 70 75 and you're still thinking about the day that was okay that's me leaving the track thinking about riding Brayton's bike all the cool things, the different things that he has on the bike. That's me today. So it's one of those days that you have a 30, 40-minute drive home. It's all you think about is the bike and the track that you rode. So anyway, Fly Racing, Justin Brayton wears it. I wore it today. You can check him out. Go to flyracing.com. Summertime, kinetic mesh time. That's what time it is. It's almost time for 2019 gear, JT. But we will have to wait probably another couple months. So anyway, go check them out. Thank you guys at Fly Racing and FlyRacing.com. And of course, Race Tech, you want some good suspension or you want some motor work done to your bike, or let's say you just want a rebuild on your fork and shock, head over to Racetech.com, check them out, send your stuff over there. Heck, if you're even thinking about getting a revalve or some springs and you want to send it off to Racetech, they'll even send you a box to ship your stuff in. That's how cool those guys are. You know? So send them over there. Racetech.com. Racetech gold valves provide a plush feel with drastically improved bottoming resistance and increased traction. Who doesn't want increased traction? Racetech gold valves are the best as far as plushness. Trust me. I rode a Honda today. You ride a Honda? Go check out Racetech. Racetech products and services are 100% guaranteed and made in the USA. Again, thank you guys for joining me. And it's one of those days that uh, I wish I could have every day. I wish this could be my Groundhog Day. Testing is great. Don't get me wrong. I love testing dirt bikes. Um, but to me, testing a professional supercross or motocross racer's machine slash factory bike 
is the ultimate for me. I love picking it apart. I love seeing, or let's say, I love watching the rider ride Supercross and then riding his bike and then everything that I'm doing on the motorcycle myself when I get to ride it, it all makes sense to me. Like, I watch Brayton ride and now since I've ridden his bike, I know why he rides that way because his bike is tailor-made for the way he rides. Brayton rides so far up over the front end, it's insane. So, as you guys know, this is all about the Justin Brayton's CRF 450R MCR Bullfrog Spas Honda Moto Concepts. Thank you very much for letting me come out. Thank you, Tony Alessi. He had... He got back from Vegas, you know, as a lot of guys, this is the time to kind of relax. Maybe they take a week off. Nope, Tony met me at the track today to test, to bring the bike out. He had a couple of his mechanics that are very cool dudes. They came out. He even brought out Chad from XPR, the engine builder. So answer my questions. If I had some things I wanted to bounce off of them or if, you know, I wanted to nitpick the bike... Tony and Chad, the mechanics, were there today to answer all my questions, and that benefits you guys out there because, trust me, when I get on a bike like this, I go apeshit. I start looking it over. Uh, when I'm riding, I'm thinking about what the things that I like, how Justin rides, and I'm just, I'm almost, I overthink everything on something that I'm testing when it comes to this level. So, I know it's very interesting for you guys out there. Justin, of course, killed it. I mean, I've, to me, the best he's ever ridden at 34 years old. I could have chose a lot of bikes to to test. You know, at this time of year, with the transition between Supercross and Motocross, usually can get my hands on two to three factory bikes. But one of the ones I've been wanting to do is since I don't know Anaheim two. I've told Tony, I go, look, I really want to ride Justin's bike. I'm familiar with Hondas. I've tested with Honda. I've, you know, done a lot of riding, you know, many, many hours on a Honda. And I want to see what this thing's all about. This Moto Concepts, you know, Honda is not a full-blown factory bike. There is some factory parts sprinkled across this machine. But for the most part besides the suspension and maybe the the front brake, you guys out there with the Honda can make your bike this good. So I'm going to preface this podcast by just giving you a little snippet of, of this bike, okay? Usually factory bikes, there, there's everything's unobtainable, so we can't relate. You and me out there listening to this, you know, I'm talking about this bike and you guys can relate because you're able to go purchase these things. You're able to go see Chad at XPR and say, hey, I want an engine spec like this. I talk, you know, I listen to Kiefer's podcast and I want my Honda to hit or, you know, maybe I just want, you know, uh, a muffler and an ignition to make my Honda better. So it's more relatable for us out there that are just normal folk for a bike like this versus, hey, I'm going to go ride, um, Ken Roxon's Honda. There's so many pieces on Ken's bike that one, we're never going to be able to, to get ever, no matter how much money we have. And two, why would we want to talk about something that maybe you guys never are ever going to ride? I enjoy 
you know, reading and looking at all the factory guys' bikes, but I want to be able to ride it, and maybe if I like it, I want to use that to my own bike. So that's what's cool about this podcast is everything on this this bike besides his factory show of suspension and his front brake, you guys can do. You guys can get. You almost can build a replica of JB10's bike. So I think that's very cool. And I also choose... Just like in my advertisers here in my show, I like to choose companies or people that are good-hearted, that work their balls off, that um, enjoy enjoy life. Um, they like they like dirt bikes. You know, they're passionate about our sport. Tony, you can say what you want about Tony Alessi, but Tony Alessi is very passionate about what he does. And I can guarantee if you talk to Justin or, or Jake Weimer or Freezy and you say, hey, what's Tony bring to this whole team? I can guarantee you any one of those guys say Tony is an integral part of this team. If it wasn't for Tony, I don't think this team would be as successful as it is today. Tony is the glue that keeps this team together. Tony is very smart when it comes to building machines, who to use for the machines, I go back to a 2012 RMZ 450 that Mike Alessi's um, that Mike Alessi rode back in the day. I rode that bike, and that was probably the top five factory or factory-ish bikes that I've ever ridden. So fast forward to 2018, I knew when I picked someone that I wanted to to do a test for or you know ride a bike, I wanted to do something with Tony one. Of course, he's a high desert guy. I've known him for a while. But two, Justin's success on something that's not unobtainium. You know, we can relate to Justin. He's an older guy. He works his butt off. He rides a, a bike on a, like a blue collar team. Um, all those guys bust their ass, and the parts are available to us. So, like you know, some of these guys say here, it's not all the bike. It is a lot of the rider. And um, we don't. You don't need a 220, you know, eight-pound 450 motorcycle to win a Supercross. So um, I just think uh, that was one of the things that I wanted to do is pick a, a quality bike, a quality team, and I like people that are genuine and nice and love our sport. Same thing goes with my advertisers, guys. I don't bring advertisers onto this show unless I like the products. I've been approached through other companies to say, hey, we want to sponsor the show. I don't like the product so much, and I don't, I, don't, I don't bring them in because I want to make sure you guys out there believe in me, and if I'm promoting a product, you know it's good. It's not, it's not some shit that I'm just trying to push because I'm getting a paycheck from them. So anyway, that's my spiel. That's enough. But that's the reason why I picked Justin's, Justin's Honda. So I got out to Milestone today. Unfortunately, I couldn't ride the Supercross track because they tore it down um, because there's a race coming up, so they're they're redoing that whole Supercross track over there. But they have a back like arena cross type track with still some Supercross whoops, some steeper faces. It's a you know very short track, but at least it gives me an idea of what this bike's about. And then I also went on to the main outdoor track, which is. It's still a little bit jumpy, but not too bad, and has some good ruts, and it's tacky dirt, so I thought this would be a good way of giving you guys the impression of what this bike's all about. So I'm going to run down some things about Justin's bike. 
that he has on it and what the team has done and how Justin likes his bike. Okay, What I've learned from talking to Tony and I've talked to Justin before, Justin is is almost just like me. He really, really wants a front-end feeling bike. He's a front-end steering guy, okay? You watch Justin ride. He is so far up over the front of the bike. It's it's insane. So he needs a front-end that steers with the front-end, obviously. It has a lot of grip in corners, and he's very anal about his front brake and how touchy it is and where it hits, how far the lever goes in. The first thing I noticed when I sat on Justin's bike was that the front brake lever is really, really close to the throttle, which is something that I didn't think would happen because Justin is a bigger dude. He has, you know, probably large size gloves hands. So I know his hands weren't that small. So it's amazing to me how close that lever was. But once I got on the track, I kind of figured it out like, hey, that's kind of why he wants it because it's so powerful and it's so, I wouldn't say touchy, but if you go in to pull, if you pull that front brake lever in, it's stopping ASAP, trust me. So I don't think having that powerful of a brake, you'd want that um, lever out that far so you would grab too much and probably wash out or endo or, or whatever the case. So um, so he's picky about his front brake. I also found out that he's very pick, picky about his clutch and where his, his lever engages. So he likes a lever that um, when he goes to do starts, the lever actually engages very far out, so almost at the at the end of the lever adjustment. So that's something that ARC and Recluse, they all worked on to get, and the team, to get just uncomfortable to where he likes that lever ratio where it's almost all the way out. I'm the similar. I don't like my lever if I'm pulling it all the way in and I just barely let it go from the grip, it starts to move. I don't like that. I like my bike to move when it's at least halfway or very at at the end of the release of the lever. So some of you guys out there can relate to that. I've ridden some of the, you guys bikes or your guys bikes out there that say, "Hey Kiefer, you know, ride my bike, so I'll ride it." And some of your guys' levers are instantaneous. Like I go to take off and boom, it takes off right away from the grip. I don't like that. I like to have it's nothing there, letting it go, and then all of a sudden, boom, it'll start to move. So at the very end of the lever, that's how he likes it, the engagement point. So that's something that he, you know, has over time learned that is important to him, especially to get good starts. So three things that stand out for Justin is clutch, front brake, and he's a front-end steering guy. Running down the bike, let's just go with the engine. The clutch on Justin's bike is a torque drive recluse clutch. He uses red springs, which are the most aggressive spring. I talked to Tony, and he said the other riders use gold springs, not as aggressive. Justin likes a very aggressive clutch of snappy power, so you're putting those stiffer springs in, and it's in a very aggressive feel, so that's what Justin likes. Again, ARC levers. Bob over there, if you guys know Bob at ARC, he looks like someone that you would never think would be into dirt bikes, for one. Number two, smarter than I'll ever be. 
And number three, you will get lost in a conversation with Bob because he knows so much crap. Uh, Like, I'll be talking to Bob for 20 minutes about levers. I'm lost five minutes in the conversation. He has so many adjustments and variables and things that he does it's that's no wonder why factories use ARC levers because he thinks outside the box and if he if you have a problem with your lever or how it pulls or it's too hard it's too soft bob has the answer he's he's a madman he's he's a wizard when it comes to these levers so the team uses ARC levers i noticed the blade is very thin I didn't ask Tony about that, but I do notice that that clutch lever blade is thin, so um, maybe Justin likes that. Uh, so torque drive clutch, red springs, that lever, like I said, he they use the 1350 gearing in Vegas. Most of the time at Supercross races, Tony said they use 1349. I thought that was interesting because it's a faster track, so they wanted to use a 50, so kind of weird but once we go over the transmission ratios it'll kind of you know answer for itself um the piston inside this thing is a custom made cp piston that chad xpr xpr has designed it's a 14.3 to 1 compression ratio which you think would have a lot of engine braking but we're going to get to that too so it's crazy how how there's no engine braking on this thing. It's insane. It has copper seats. Obviously, it's port and polished. Um, they use Dell West valves. The crank is balanced to the piston. The bottom end is... Okay, now, the transmission in this thing, the first gear is a works gear, and everything else is standard, okay? So, Justin wants to use first gear out of corners to maybe jump some things right out of corners, so he wanted a longer gear so they can downshift to first gear. That way he doesn't have to worry about, you know, possibly having to shift to second, you know, to get over this, you know, a rhythm, you know, tripling out of this corner. So first gear's different. Otherwise, the transmission stock, it's tumbled, of course. Um, what I what I thought was interesting that I talked to Chad about was the oil height in these Hondas. He said, and I didn't notice, and I've been around Hondas a long time, Hondas are very finicky with with oil levels, okay? So a standard height is about 1,300 cc's, right? They run 1,050 cc's, so 1050, okay, 1,050 cc's. That's 250 cc's less of oil. They said when they dynoed, okay, with 1,300 cc's, they have that as a benchmark, every time... They went up 50 cc's from 1050. They lost a half a horsepower. So you're getting a little bit more drag with that oil in there, right? So I guess one day Vince was at the track and he's like, man, my my engine feels a little sluggish. And Chad was like, okay, so they drained the oil. They put 1050 in there, you know, 1,050 cc's of oil. And Vince was like, holy shit, this bike's way different what did you do it's so much snappier i got some more power it's way better what what did you do and he's like dude we just took some oil out of it so yeah maybe longevity is not as far as reliability of the engine maybe not the best for it but they're race engines right so they rebuild them so they don't have to worry about that so for you guys out there maybe you want a little bit more snap a little less drag 
Maybe try a little less oil. I wouldn't recommend going to 1,050, but maybe go to 1,200. Try 100 cc's less and see if you notice a difference. Maybe you get a little bit more snap. Maybe you get a little bit more pull. Maybe you should try that. So I'm going to try that at home and see if I notice it. But I thought that was really interesting when they dynoed it that each time they went 50 cc's up in oil, they lost a half a horsepower. Justin's bike uses a Vortex ignition that's mapped from Chad XPR. We talked about mapping and ignitions and all of this, and we both agree that an ignition on any bike, really, but specifically to this 450, is probably one of the most important things to this, mo- you know, this whole machine. If you were to do nothing else to your 450, hey, Kiefer, I just bought a brand new 2018 Honda 450. What should I do to it? Well, first of all, I would say nothing right now because it's a good bike. But if you were to going to do something, I would say muffler and ignition. You've heard me say this before. Best thing you can do. Why? Because the parameters of a stock box on these bikes they're not very wide. You can't do a lot with them, okay? So it's very tough to get more out of them. It's very tough to shift the power around because obviously they don't want the customer to go ape shit and blow up the bike and have you know warranty involved and all this shit. So the beauty of having this Vortex box, not only is it power, but you can adjust the power so many ways. If you're going to a hard pack track, you can adjust it. You can adjust the fuel trim on this Vortex box. You're up in elevation, down in elevation. You can have all these different settings that make the bike run to its optimal level with these ignitions. And to me, it doesn't really hurt reliability. I've ran ignitions on a Honda, specifically a Vortex ignition, and had no engine trouble whatsoever. You can change the over-rev on this ignition, and they have done that with this, with this Vortex, but... For you guys at home that want to use a Vortex, you can go up 300 RPM, 500 RPM, so it really doesn't hurt the lifespan of your engine. But nonetheless, the Vortex is mapped to Pro 6 fuel, okay? So everything that's going on inside Justin's engine is mapped specifically to this Vortex. I did find it interesting that they are not using a KTM throttle body. They are using a stock Honda throttle body. I'm pretty sure that the factory Honda team is using a KTM throttle body, and a lot of other privateer teams go to KTM throttle bodies because you get more snap and pull. But from what I was told, they've tried some stuff. Justin liked the stock throttle body, and actually I do as well. So that's basically the engine. There's nothing in that engine that's it's too spectacular that you can't buy. I asked Chad myself, hey, Chad, can you purchase any of this stuff that's in Justin's bike? He's like, absolutely, absolutely, besides maybe one or two things. So if you guys out there want an engine, done. Go see Chad, XPR. All that stuff that's in Justin's bike is available to you guys at home. Moving on to the chassis, Justin is a 996 twin wall guy. He does not cut he does not cut his crossbar. It's not hollowed out. It's a straight up 996 twin wall. 
He loves a crossbar. He doesn't like the crossbar-less bars. They've tried both. He always goes back to a crossbar. I did find it interesting that they shave the throttle tube down. Justin, when I got on it, I noticed that my hand felt big around this throttle, you know? I'm like, huh. They said, yep, he doesn't like the feeling of a thick throttle tube. He said it gives him arm pumps. So they shave the throttle tube down to make it, um, the circumference of it smaller so his hand can fit it around it better. The lip, you know, sometimes that you see on aluminum throttle bodies or even on your plastic throttle bodies, there's a lip where it'll allow your grip to stop. They shave that piece off and they use that Yamaha style plastic sleeve that goes over it like a spacer. They use that. So that helps them shave that piece down so Justin get a, you know, a smaller feel for his hands. I thought that was really cool. Um, X-Trig is the choice in clamps for those guys. I do find it interesting that they have um, a solid stem going through it, but it is a 22 millimeter X-Trig clamp. I also found it interesting that they use a stock front hub that's polished, maybe turned down a little bit, but it's polished front hub, and then they use a a Talon Ultralight rear hub. So maybe rigidity feeling, front end feeling. Again, he's a front end steering guy. You don't want too much rigidity up there. So they stick with the stock hub up front and they use the ultralight rear with a, you know, Dirt Star rim. So those are very strong rims, but the front stays a little less rigid so he can get some front end traction. 260 millimeter front disc, okay, it has a moto stuff front disc. It's still the same size as a stock, you know, the one that you guys got at home. That's stock, 260, that's the size. But where the difference is, guys, is in that works caliper, okay? Stock hose, different piston in the master cylinder, but I'm telling you guys right now, that front brake, whoo! It is good, and I can see why he likes it so much. You can charge into corners real deep and barely have to put that lever, push that lever in, pull that lever in, excuse me, pull that lever in, and it gets it done. Holy shit, it stops quick. I don't know if I would want it that much. I like my front brake a little bit more linear, but hey, I don't ride as fast as Justin, so... I can't really really say anything. Oh, I also find it interesting on the on the bar mount itself, they use the the X-Trig bar mounts, but Justin runs a five millimeter spacer in between the clamp and the mount. He's a taller guy. He rides up front, okay, of the bike. So I can see why he wants a little bit of a taller feel. Um so that was interesting to me. Um a thing that I also seen from Honda owners is obviously rear hubs breaking or I've seen them at the track or you guys seen it on social media. So sometimes uh, people are like, what the heck's going on? To ensure that that doesn't happen ever to these riders, they press the chain. They use like a street bike chain, so to speak. It's an O-ring chain that's pressed on. There's no master link. 
and they also use a special work sprocket from Japan that's hardened, so they're not going to be ripping sprockets out from the hub. These guys push these bikes to the limit when they land, when they're under, th- you know, these bikes are pushing 60, 65 horsepower, okay, so all that torque going to the rear wheel is going to screw that sprocket up or bore, bore those holes out and then tear it from the hub. I've done it on a Honda before, on a stock bike. You know, sprocket bolts are tight, but for whatever reason, that sprocket gets torn from the hub, breaks the hub. So to ensure that, and to ensure from not breaking a chain, they use a thick, you know, beefy chain, but it's pressed on, there's no master master link, and they use a special hardened sprocket in the rear to make sure when they have the torque, you know, getting to the ground, you're coming out of a corner, that it holds up. Um, gut seat, ribbed, no hump, stock foam. I thought that was interesting. They use a different base underneath. Um, it's a little bit different. I can't really get into specifics right now, but I'll be getting into more about seat stuff here later in a different podcast. I don't want to blow the other podcast I'm going to do, but just know that he uses a a different a different seat base so we'll talk about that more later moving on to the suspension Trent, you know obviously he uses factory showa spring fork there is no air here there was schrader valve you know coming out like he looks like he has air but the cap it's not air it's just spring fork standard he's a front end steering guy i do not see him going to an air fork and also it's just a standard factory show a shock with the 18 millimeter um, shaft, not a 16. Stock is 16. So, what an 18 millimeter shaft does is for seat bouncing, landing hard off jumps, gets you a little bit more of a stiff feel. And also interesting that they use ride engineering that we've been preaching about that ride engineering one millimeter long pull rod, but with a stock knuckle. Okay, it's not a works knuckle. It's just a stock knuckle with a longer arm, and Justin likes a lot of sag. I would, he didn't tell me what the sag measurement was, but I'm, I'm pretty good at feeling that kind of stuff when I ride, and I wouldn't put it past Justin to run anywhere between 112 millimeters of sag, maybe more. So when I got on the bike, it felt a little low, but when I rode it on the Serena Cross track that I'm about to tell you guys, it, it kind of correlates, and I kind of feel like why he uh he does those things so flipping this page on my notes here because i wrote a shit ton of notes down guys today i'm telling you i was excited i'm telling you right now okay you guys out there do not know what spec tires are like but holy shit if i could just get spec tires and go racing it'd be worth it i would not take engine work to get these spec tires it's a 768F. You, you guys don't even know this number, but this is what the number is with these spec tires that these riders are running on the Supercross you know, teams and the track. It looks like a, a 3S, but the compound is so soft. When you grab a factory tire and, you, and you're messing with the knobs, you know, it's so soft and buttery and just they bend and the carcass is soft. What that translate likes on the track, okay? I'm so used to running a Dunlop MX-3S. I'm leaning in the corners, and it bites pretty good, right? But there's always one point 
in the corner, especially at Milestone where it kind of gets hard and shiny. It wants to wash a little bit, so I have to let off the gas and then kind of, you know, get back into the gas again, right? And that happens within, you know, a half a second. It's not that long, but when you're racing, that half a second is huge, right? Well, with this front tire, being that I'm a front-end steering guy, this 768F, you know, factory tire, dude, it lays over in the corner so insane. You can lean the bike over so far, there's no vagueness, it doesn't slip, it doesn't push, and hey, I'm leaned over. Oh, I want to cut down sooner and get out of this choppy shit. Boom, it cuts down. There's no wash, okay? I'm freaking out on the track. I'm like, and I forgot about tires when I was before I even took off. I'm like, eh, whatever. They probably put Dunlop MX3Ss on for me to ride. Nope. Factory tires. It brought back memories of doing testing back in the day when I was at Yamaha. I was like, oh my god, so much front end traction. I was in heaven. Please, for the love of God, if I can get some factory tires, bring back. Just sell it to the public. Who cares? Dunlop, sell these tires to the public. Yes, they're going to be trash within one. If you went out and raced with these tires, done. One race, probably, I would assume. One race, okay? It would chunk. But the heaven-sent traction that you will get in that one race will change your life, okay? Change your life. Trust me on this. This is better than sandwiches. If I could not eat a sandwich or get these spec tires... I'm choosing spec tires. If you guys know me, you know how important sandwiches are. This is how good tires are, guys. Oh, 782 rear tire. You know, I don't notice a huge difference from a factory rear tire to, you know, MX3S. Yes, I get a little bit more forward bite coming out of a corner, but it's not as drastic as a front tire. If I could just get spec front tires, I'd be I'd be golden. Hey, commercial time. Thanks for listening. If you guys want a comfortable shirt to go to the track or even a hoodie, you're cold, you want your chick to look cool, get some hats, shirts, hoodies, be a moto fan, be an off-road fan, go check out ruddedracing.com or if you guys are on Instagram, at ruddedracing. Clint and April make very, very comfortable shirts, hats, hoodies, they're helping out the bear for Supercross. That's right. Rutted Racing is helping out Tyler Bowers. They put money back into our sport, guys. So let's buy some stuff. They're helping us out. They're helping the Supercross riders out of the world. Let's go there and buy some stuff at Rutted Racing or RuttedRacing.com. Right now, it's 40 degrees in the high des. I am wearing a Rutted Racing hoodie, and it's badass. So go check them out. Thanks, guys. Also... Don't forget, you know it's coming after Rutted Racing, screenprintingdone.com. You know what's cool? Free stuff. You know that? Order 12 tees, get 10 free t-shirts. When you order 12, buy a dozen, get 10. Screenprintingdone.com. They produce t-shirts, hoodies, hats, everything. You need t-shirts for your employees? Do you need t-shirts for your track? Or maybe a party you're having. Make us some t-shirts. Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com. You know who else goes to ScreenPrintingDone.com? The 7 Deuce Deuce. I feel like he took ScreenPrintingDone.com from me. 
But nonetheless, he knows where to go, right? If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. That's where I get all my Kiefer Inc. testing shirts. Go over there, check them out. Mention Kiefer. When you order, 12, get 10 for free. Later. Technology. That's what I'm talking about here. It's a great thing. I love it. But I also can pull my hair out with it as well. However, there is a company that you probably have seen on the Rockstar Husqvarna race team, Dean Wilson, Jason Anderson, called Skosh. It's spelled S-C-O-S-C-H-E. You can go to skosh.com and check out all the products. They have really, really cool stuff. They have headphones. They have boom bottles. They have phone chargers for your droid, your iPhone. They have magic mounts. They have wireless chargers. They have huge cables that will reach all the way across your house if you need a charger and you don't have an outlet close, like my house. I don't have that many outlets. They just have a bunch of cool products to make your life easier when you're out in the garage, when you're in your car, when you're at your house. Just, I'm really, really pumped to have these guys on board because they sent me some stuff. I use it all the time. My favorite thing is the Boom Buoy. It's a speaker that floats on the water. I can hang out in the pool in the backyard, listen to my music. I'm a big music guy. So they just make really cool stuff that makes my life easier. So, founded in 1980, Skosh Industries is a Ventura-based, Southern California, of course, award-winning innovator of consumer technology, power sports, and car audio products. Don't forget, car audio. You're traveling, you're sitting in traffic. You guys need to check them out, skosh.com. Committed to delivering the superior products that we all want, quality and functionality, exceptional value, and unmatched customer service. The designers and engineers at Skosh develop products that reflect a rich heritage in audio and mobile technology. Skosh finds inspiration in the California lifestyle, culture, music, and people. These influences can be seen in accessories and products that are now in the hands of homes, offices, vehicles, and people all over the world. 50 countries, okay? Hundreds of patents, trademarks, and countless industry awards received. It's easy to see why Skosh is constantly at the forefront of technology. These guys are cool. They're huge motorcycle enthusiasts. They even gave us a product code, SCOKT25. That's SCOKT25. Use that code when you go to skosh.com. Get 25% off. Seriously, guys, go check them out. You won't ever get it. If you want to hit me up, Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. I'll let you know more, but very cool guys over there. Thanks, Skosh. Skosh.com. You looking for some good oil out there? I know you are because I get a lot of questions to my email inbox about oil. Heck, I'm at the track. People stop me and ask about oil. On the Pulp MX Show, lots of callers. What oil should I run? So I'm going to let you on a little secret. I've been testing an oil that's called Moto Blood bloodlubricants.com go check them out over there at bloodlubricants.com go view everything they have there's all different kinds of oils you got an ATV you got a street bike you got a UTV or you got a YZ450F in your garage blood lubricants has an oil for you okay Jefferson Green he's been in the oil industry for a long time since 1983 but he's been a motorcycle enthusiast for longer than that so he wanted to create an oil that was good that lasted a long time and didn't break down and even 
cooled your engines down a little bit more than you're used to. Because, heck, I'm going to tell you something straight up. was testing this stuff a couple months, did a lot of temperature readings. Engine temps were always anywhere from 25 to 30 degrees cooler with the Moto Blood 1040. And you want to even know something that's crazier? It's 100% fully synthetic oil. You guys know me. Synthetic wasn't my choice when it comes to some bikes, right? I ran it in the Yamaha and I ran it in the Honda. Wasn't too stoked on synthetic oils. Well, went and tried this. No slippage, no drag, 100% synthetic. It 100% works. So, hey, go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Mention Kiefer in your order. Please order. And get 25% off. It's that easy. And if you guys have any questions about this oil, hit me up over at chris at keferinktesting.com. I can discuss more what it does for you, what it does for your bike. But, hey, it's in my test bikes right now. I've had zero failures. It's really reliable oil. It's very good. 100% synthetic. Go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. So I hopped on it, got my fly gear on, looking like Justin, you know, showy helmet. I didn't wear the goggles that Justin wears, obviously. I wore Oakley's, you know, whatever. You can talk shit, but they're good goggles. As soon as I got on the bike, what did I feel? Okay, so I'm going to break this down to you. Sat on the bike, Justin runs his bars rolled forward. Now, I didn't touch Justin's bike at all. I rode it how he races it. I didn't want to adjust anything. I ran his sag. Justin is 180. I'm 170, so I'm 10 pounds lighter. I think Justin and I are pretty close in height. He may be a little bit shorter than me. I think I have longer arms. But nonetheless, his bar felt a little bit taller to me. He runs a 996 again. Rolled too far forward for me. But I got used to it. So those are the, that's the first thing that I noticed, okay? The second thing I noticed rolling out to the pit onto the Serena Cross track was how touchy the throttle is, okay? There's so much power available real quick, okay? Real quick. It's not a touchy sensation where I'm like, holy shit, it's out of control, it's very touchy and responsive, but connected to the rear wheel. That's an, that's another thing that I felt real quick. Now, getting onto the track, what did I feel? For those of you that have a Honda, that ride Hondas, that know them, you get some engine braking if you're running second gear. This XPR engine that Chad built has virtually no engine braking at all. It's so free feeling and it spools up, it revs so free that it made me smile within the first lap. I'm like, whop up this face and it's so free feeling. There's no drag, there's no pitching, there's no sensation of engine braking at all. It almost feels two-stroke-ish. Maybe not, maybe even less than a Yamaha YZ250 two-stroke, okay? The KTM 250SX two-stroke doesn't have any engine braking, but this Moto Concepts Honda, instantaneous throttle response, no engine braking. I was like, holy shit. It was very impressive, okay? Now you kind of can see why Justin can seat bounce something out of a corner or... 
is always one of the first guys to quad a section. It all, it all this came back to me in my head as I was riding this bike. I'm like, now I see it at this arena cross track that I was, you know, testing on at Milestone. They kind of tamed the rhythm down, so it's like a double, double, double section. Well, first lap, you know, double, double, double. And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I could probably even double, triple this. The bike doesn't even hesitate. Wow, 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 triple. It's not even a problem. It's not even an issue. There was another area that is like a step on, step off out of a corner. I quadded it the third lap. Brap, done. There's just no... When you have an engine this free and this powerful, your confidence goes up so high. There's no like, well, I don't know if I'll, I can make that out of the corner. There's none of that. Your mind doesn't even go there because this bike has so much damn bottom end and it's so connected that it's it just boosts your confidence right away. This, this, this engine that Chad built is the, I wouldn't say the, okay, top two engines I've ever ridden on a Honda. And I've ridden, and that's including the factory. I've ridden a factory Honda before, and this engine is damn, damn close to a factory engine. It's very good, very free, no engine braking. And the best part of it all is, is second gear pulls so long. You guys hear me talk about how well the KTM 450SXF pulls in second gear. This Honda pulls farther and harder, and it drives forward. It's connected. You're going to hear me say this a lot in this podcast, connectivity, connection. You don't want a fast engine that's all over hell, okay? You don't want what I call a hunt and peck. You're coming out of a corner, and it's so quick, it kind of like wanders and then hunts and pecks, and you're going up the face of a jump, and you never get settled, and you don't know where you're going to go off this damn jump. This bike doesn't do that. It's planted. So I thought I needed to shift to third gear at times. Even when I ventured over to the outdoor track, I was like, oh, I'll just roll, shift up out of this corner to third gear. It doesn't need it. That's the beauty. I have the option to run second gear a long time. And that's what I fight with with some of these production motorcycles is when I'm in a corner, I always talk about, yes, you can run third gear. I like running third gear in corners if the bike can pull it. But what you sacrifice coming out in third gear is the thing that I really struggle with. It's smooth, it's easier, right? But if you're in race pace, you want to get in and get out of the corner ASAP. Sometimes third gear doesn't do that for you, but it's easier for us riders just to leave it in gear because you know we're going to have to shift to third gear 20 to 50 feet down the straightaway as soon as we're out of the corner. Well, with this bitchin' engine that Chad built for Justin... I come into a corner in second gear, and I can leave it in second gear damn near almost all the way down the straightaway. So I had to rethink, like, hey, am I in third gear? Nope, I'm in second. Now, here's another thing. You think, oh, I'm going to shift to third. It's going to fall off. No. I shift to third gear, and it pulls that even longer, but yet it's still as aggressive, as aggressive. So I have that RPM response that you want in second or third gear. So my life is made so much easier 
this decision-making that I'm doing on the track, I don't have to give a shit because I can run second or third gear and still have that much aggression out of the corner. So it just really... I came to Tony Alessi after when I pulled in the pits. I go, hey, is there a works transmission in here? He's like, nope. I'm like, huh. And then we talked about the first gear. And on the arena cross track, I use first gear, and it's long as well. I come out of a corner. Granted, nothing that big on this arena cross track, but it doesn't run out real quick. Out on the outdoor track, I'm thinking, Tony, you sure second gear is not longer or wider or anything? Spacing's the same? Nope, spacing's the same, Kiefer. No shit. That's just all due to Chad's tuning with the ignition, with the piston that he's running, all these things he does to the engine to give Justin the freedom to use what gear he wants to use. So when we have a five to six, you know, you know, gear transmission in our normal bikes that we use, okay, I think the usable gear maybe is second and third gear, right? We have two gears that are basically usable for us that are riding on a motocross track. Here we are, here I'm just say, here I am riding Justin's bike. I have three available gears that I can really use on a track. I never use first gear, guys, on my production bikes. I never use it. Hell, I don't even use it in the pits. When I go to take off, I just go up. I don't go down. I'm just in second. Well, with Justin's bike, I can use first on the track. I can come out of a corner. It pulls. I'm on the outdoor track. Second gear, it pulls. It, it's really mind-blowing to me how well these engines are tuned, and it's not a factory engine. Chad's been doing, you know, helping Tony build engines since, I don't know, 2011, 2012. So he's been around. And I didn't even know Chad from XPR was on the West Coast. It shows how much I know. He's, I'm sorry, I thought he was on the East Coast. Well, it comes to find out he's based out of Marietta in California. I learned a little bit. I talked to, talked to him a little bit. Very humble guy, down to earth. He comes from... Calgary in Canada. He's been here for a while. And he's just a humble, good dude. And answered my questions how, you know, how I asked them. He answered them fully. He didn't really, you know, what we talk about, he's not really pompous. He doesn't show off his stuff. He's not really proud of his stuff. You know, he lets his his engine do the talking. And I was really amazed in how well this engine worked and I knew Justin's stuff would be good right because it's Brayton's bike he's one Daytona he gets hole shots you know I knew it would be good but it doesn't really correlate until you ride it and I'm telling you guys it's one of the better Honda engines that I've ever ridden if not the best I didn't even get any more vibration out of the engine if anything it has less vibration and I was thinking especially run you're running twin wall bars, I'm going to feel rigidity and all this this vibration. Nope. The engine ran strong. It pulls far. It's really linear. It's easy to ride. They use, in with this engine package, they use a production Yoshimura system. It's a titanium system that you guys go out there and buy for your Hondas. There's nothing special about this spec. It's just a Straight up titanium RS9 Yoshimura system. 
another thing that's bitching about this this whole thing that we're doing right here. It's just production stuff that you and I can get, and it's damn good. So, was really impressed by the engine and the lack of engine braking and what I could use for gears. And also, let me let me touch on the tires once again. Not only are they really good, but they use a 110 rear. Justin, Vince, Jake, they all use a 110. I asked them about that, and they said they like the 110 rear on this bike because of cornering. It helps them in corners, get in and get out. It helps lean, lean angle. I agree. I was just worried about wheel spin, but this motor is so good. It's so linear and so easy to ride that I never got any over-the-top wheel spin coming out of a corner. And I was there long enough to get some dry, greasy, you know, feeling out of a bike coming out of a corner, but it never did that. So that could be an option for you guys listening as well. Maybe you can try a 110 if you're having a little bit of cornering trouble. Maybe try a 110 rear and not a 120. So I thought that was interesting that, you know, Brayton likes a 110. Now... Moving on to suspension. Yes, Supercross suspension. I get it. It's going to be stiff. I already kind of got myself geared up for that. The thing is about this bike, it's stiff, but it's not harsh. Okay? Yes, milestone, little chop, little squared stuff. It's stiff. You know, it doesn't settle like I want it to. But on this arena cross track, they, they built up the bowl berms really nice. They built up some of the faces really nice. And down this start straightaway that they had, you know, they would back, you know, just back drag it. But underneath had those braking bumps, those hard braking bumps. And I was rolling out, you know, coming on the start straight, you know, going backwards in the first corner. And those bumps never un, just, it never got the bike unsettled to where, I thought I was going to lose front end traction. So, yes, it is stiff, but it also is very comfortable. But what this bike does, for me at least, okay, and I'm going to relate it to Justin because this is what I like to do, it forces me to ride over the front of the bike a lot. When I got on the bike and I got on the Serena Cross track, I was in that neutral position, okay, I was in that neutral moto, you know, vet position in the middle of the bike, and not really getting over the front because, you know, I don't know the bike and I haven't ridden a supercross track or anything steep in a while. And I noticed that the front end was always high. I'm always high. I'm always high. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I guess I need to ride over the front more. And as soon as I started riding over the front and being really front end aggressive coming up the faces of these jumps, the bike ride attitude of the bike, the bike balance agreed with me so much more. It soaked it up. Not only did it soak it up, but it didn't have, I didn't get a boner air coming off the jump. It stayed even and flat. And if I wanted the front end down, it would have, you know, obliged to that. So it forced me to ride like Justin. You know, not shocking. It's Justin's bike. But it forced me to ride standing up and over the front. Okay? This fork holds up so damn good. Like I said, when I did this double-triple thing, this rhythm, that wasn't even made to be a double-triple because you have novices riding this arena cross track. It was just meant to be a double, double, double. Well, I had so much confidence, I doubled, tripled, singled. 
And where I landed was steep, right? So I'm thinking, if I was on stock stuff and I tagged the back end of this jump where I was landing, I'd go over the bars. Not with this stuff, guys. It holds up so well, so stiff, and it controlled in the corners. That's what's impressive about this bike. When I've ridden Supercross suspension before, and it's great over the jumps, and you overjump something, it's great. But once you get in these ruts and these corners, it doesn't freaking corner because you're washing out all the time. Justin's bike bites. It's front end. I can turn down off the berms. I was riding, riding, riding some of the rut. I was riding on top of the berm. Got a little blown out. I'd go down. I'd cut down. It would bite. So very confidence-inspiring on this fork. You know, that's what you expect from factory stuff, right? No different here. Bitchin' front fork that forces me to ride over the front. It forced me to get away from my 40-year-old freaking style and, you know, Put me down to 34-year-old style, okay? Justin is 34 years old and rides like he's 23. This is what this this bike does. It makes you evolve. It helps you evolve. It lets you evolve into a younger rider, an aggressive rider. I love, I love the fact that he does this, that not only does he his bike set up this way, but he studies, he looks, he's always doing new things. Justin is a very meticulous technical rider. His fork fits all of that. When I'm riding, I'm thinking, man, it all makes sense to me how this fucking guy rides so far forward and is so technical and so precise because this bike allows him to do that. Allows him to do that. This fork allows him to do that. So, again, they had a set of whoops. I don't know, maybe six or seven whoops. I would say one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, seven. Seven whoops, okay? They were still super cross-style whoops. There was a double leading into this whoop section. You know, it took me a little bit to get my super cross knowledge back. But, yeah, wheeling it into whoops. So, I would touch my front end on the third whoop to flatten it out. The shock stayed low. I kind of understand where he's coming from with this low feeling. I was worried about front end feeling in the corners, but it didn't happen. I had good front end traction, so that was bitching. But I liked how flat it stayed across the whoops. Again, seven whoops, not that long, but I got a taste of what it's like to entering some whoops and, and being Justin Brayton and how that bike reacts. You can mess up and maybe skip a whoop and it'll save you because that fork is so stiff but what I like is that traction that I got that squat that you can get when you have that shock you know just staying low and it makes the bike feel really flat over these whoops and these whoops were chugged out you know they were pretty steep for just some normal arena cross whoops but the bike handles really good didn't do anything funny I do notice Coming out of corner seat bounce, it does feel a little low to me, and I feel front end high because he runs such a tall bar with you know that five millimeter spacer up on those PDHS um, clamps, and also too going back to the bar mounts, he uses those stock rubbers. They're just medium rubbers, nothing new, nothing exciting. So, but again, shock stiff. But the thing that I liked about the shock on the motocross track was initially 
coming out of a corner where you figure, hey, these three or four chug square edge coming out of these ruts, you think it's going to be just back jarring. It wasn't. It was the initial part of that part of the stroke was supple and nice. It didn't get hard or a little bit harsh until deeper in the stroke. So high speed compression was really stiff, but I feel like the low speed part of this shock was very moto friendly. So, and I also was told that his, his, sometimes he goes and rides at club on the outdoor track with some supercross stuff. And I can also see how this set of suspension would work for that kind of dirt because he runs a soft, soft dirt compound at club, right? And they get taller, bigger bumps that are soft. So this stuff would work better, I think, in softer dirt versus hard pack West Coast square edge shit that we ride, you know? So so that's kind of the suspension part of it. Chassis-wise, again, engine mounts, he uses a, a 2018 top mount um, stock right now. They were testing some of those other mounts, those Honda mounts that I, were, that I was testing on keyforinktesting.com. But Justin does use the front titanium mount, okay? So the, if you want to reference back to what I'm talking about, go look on my website, the engine mounts that I tested for the Honda CRF450R. The front engine mounts are titanium. He likes that feel better. And from what I've gathered riding Justin's bike, he's more of a of a firm feeling kind of rider you know he doesn't change a lot of chassis componentry to soften up the frame feel like i would like some of us mere mortals would you know we take uh tank bolts out we remove some subframe slash muffler bolts to loosen it up justin runs you know stock twin wall bars he runs a titanium front mount he wants that sucker you know, stiff and precise for what he's doing. Shockingly enough, it is not rigid. It feels comfortable. On this arena cross track, again, rigidity means I don't get a lot of traction and, and then I get deflection. None of that. Milestone prepped berms underneath had square edge from all the guys riding it all the time, you know, doing that stuff. Not a harsh feeling at all. So it's just a well-balanced, overall, nice feeling, you know, Honda. I I wouldn't even want anything, Any I wouldn't really want anything more out of this bike. When I rode it, I'm thinking, all right, Kiefer, what would I want out of this? Yeah, maybe I wouldn't run this tall of a bar. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't run this low of a shock. But do I want any more engine? No. I think it's what I have here is awesome. Would I want any more out of the suspension? Mm, No. Nothing really that I think that I would need. So it was just a very comfortable ride that I was impressed with because I thought it was going to be rigid as hell. And it wasn't. It was really good. Another thing that I want to touch on that I thought was really interesting being that I've ridden Hondas before and things that I don't like about a production Honda. I don't like the clutch on a production Honda, right? For those of you guys listening, you know what I'm talking about. One, the pull is super hard. Two, sometimes we break fibers. Sometimes it's draggy and the clutch heats up and it goes away. But 
I haven't had that much experience with the Recluse torque drive. This thing was was excellent. I also thought it was insane how buttery smooth and light the clutch pull was. I was freaked out. I asked Tony, "What's what's going on here? What what would you do?" He's like, "No, it's just a torque drive with red springs." And honestly, they the the mechanics told me out of all the bikes in their on their team between Jake and Vince, Justin's has the hardest pull. And I'm freaking out. I'm thinking to myself, what? This isn't even hard. It felt like an, an 125 clutch. Seriously, guys. So I don't know if it's the torque drive that's making it light or if it's crazy Bob from ARC that his lever and his genius that he's come up with which I'm going to find out because I want this lever slash perch that whatever ARC makes, I'm finding what this thing is. And I'm going to get back with you guys when I do an article that's going to be up later in the week on Kiefering testing. And it'll be on Pulp, by the way. I want to find out from Bob if he sells this lever slash perch and how he makes this clutch feel buttery because that's the disappointing part to this Honda when I get this Honda dialed in I'm talking about my production Honda is the clutch pull is still hard and it bothers me I'm a stickler when it comes to handlebars and and height and clutch pull and all that stuff so kudos to Recluse kudos to Bob and good for you Justin for having a light pull he's the only one that also runs a stock clutch arm he uses the ride engineering clutch um, cable holder for you know so it doesn't flex as much. But the arm itself is stock length. There's nothing modified there to make it the pull easier. So I guess Vince runs a different pitch and he runs a different arm. So that way he has a different release feeling um, when he when he uses the clutch and he goes to start. So. Yeah, guys, I was thoroughly impressed with Justin Brayton's bike. The team's only going to get better next year. They're getting more help from Honda. From what I hear, their bikes will be a little bit more factory-ish. So you can look for bigger and better things from the Moto Concepts, MCR, Bullfrogs. Is it Bullfrog or Bullfrogs? I think it's Bullfrog Spa Honda. So thank you, Tony Alessi. Thank you, Justin Brayton. Thank you, Chad from XBR. Thank you to mechanics for busting your ass. You know, some of these mechanics don't get credit, dude. Like, I talk to these guys, and, you know, they work their balls off for 17 rounds. They went to Vegas, and they come back and got to put up with my old-ass testing shit, you know, and they're there, and they answer my questions. And like I said, there's just a great group of guys over there, and from what... From what I've seen and where, where I see this going, it's going to be a really, really good team. And I feel like he's going to get a lot of riders wanting to ride for this team. Because one, from what I hear, the Honda is going to be even better next year. Okay? And they're going to have all these access to better parts. So you're going to see a lot of guys looking for rides that are going to want to go choose to go to this MCR team. They're not going to be like, well, that's all I got, so I'm going to go here. No, they're going to be like, hey, this may be my first choice because I want to ride for these guys. So, awesome machine. 
can't even I can't even explain to you guys in this podcast how excited I get to ride these kind of bikes and how happy I am after I'm done riding because it lives up to my expectations, okay? And I'm a picky ass son of a bitch. You can ask my wife, you can ask my friends that about my, you know, help me with my bike stuff. I'm picky. And it's not because I'm old, it's just because I know it works and I know it doesn't work. So it's nice to get on a machine that works well and I don't have a lot of bitching, a lot of things that I complain about. I didn't complain about one thing on Justin's bike and I didn't change anything. Like I said, the only thing I would want to change is roll the bar back a little bit, but even I got used to that. It wasn't even that bad. So I feel like it can haul ass on this bike. And I really want to build an outdoor version of this bike, so maybe I can get with Chad and XBR and build, you know, somewhat of a of a B engine, you know, when we get these new 2019 Hondas and and really see what this thing can do. So, oh, before we get off here too, I want to touch on the kickstart electric start thing. So, some of you guys already know this, but. When you have an electric start, it puts drag on an engine. It doesn't give you the bottom end that some of these guys want. You know, yeah, these guys had a choice to go into a 2018 electric start or keep the 17 version. So Justin and the team agreed they'd like the freer slash more bottom end feeling that the 2017 Honda 450 had versus the 18. Again, us mere mortal guys, we are not that picky, and we may or may not notice the little drag that the electric start does put on. I do notice it a little bit, but I'm riding outdoor stuff. I'm not that picky on it, so it doesn't bother me if it's a little bit slower revving or just a little sluggish off the bottom. I'm not complaining because I'm riding outdoors and I want something more controlled still. Justin needs something snappy and with a lot of bottom, and that's what he gets without having that electric start motor in there. And also, they're saving weight, okay? So, they're saving weight with that um, Kickstarter in there and not having all the electric start motor and the battery and, and all the shit. Also, they're not running titanium bolts. They're running stock bolts, the reason is you put titanium bolts in a bike, it becomes more rigid. So for those of you out there going, I'm going to put titanium on my bike, I'm going to lose weight. Well, you're going to change rigidity, Holmes. You're going to change the rigidity. You're going to change the way your Honda rides. And that thing's already borderline stiff, chassis-wise. So you may not want to put that tie on there. Again, another smart move. Probably from the mind of Tony Alessi. Tony knows his shit, okay? I hear a lot of things about Tony. Again, he's a smart guy. He knows what's going on as far as a motorcycle. He knows what goes on as far as a rider. He knows what goes on as what a rider wants or helps you along those lines. So, less money, less rigidity, run stock bolts. It didn't matter. Justin won. Didn't need titanium. So... But again, that may change next year. You never know. More Honda support. They want to have a lighter bike. They want. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to run electric start next year. So you might have to lose some weight somewhere else. They could use it. But I still think it's smart for using stock bolts. I've experimented in the past 
using titanium bolts versus stock bolts. And I myself always went back to a stock, you know, pivot bolt, not a titanium pivot, a swing arm axle. I'm sorry, an axle titanium bolt, didn't like it, went back to stock. A, you know, swing arm pivot titanium, didn't like it, went back to stock. Front axle, went back to stock. All the little knick-knack bolts that are tie, not as much change in a bike, you know, when you put those on. Where you feel it is, like I said, the pivot bolt, the rear axle, the front axle, and the bolts in the engine hangers. That's where you're going to feel the difference. So, and obviously that's the biggest bolts. That's where you're going to save the weight. So, again, you don't need titanium on every, a titanium on every single thing. So, just know that. All right. Well, that's about it, guys. I've I've rambled on for an hour and five minutes about this sucker. Don't know what else to tell you guys, but it was a joy to ride. Like one of the best Hondas I've ever I've ever ridden. Very easy to ride, linear. I'm stoked to get on this thing now. I'm gonna go buy a ride red jacket because I'm all stoked on Hondas right now. So if you see me with a bunch of uh, ride red um, Instagram posts, you know that I'm stoked. It's the residual from riding JB10's bike, and let's just all give JB10 a hand, okay? He's 34 years old. He's a family guy. He's one of the nicest. If it's not Shorty, it's Brayton, okay? Two of the nicest dudes that you'll meet will talk to you is genuine and not really superficial or surface. He's just a genuine dude that likes to ride dirt bikes, has a family, goes home to his family. I can relate, you know. I like the dude. I like that he's out grinding. I like that he signed two more years. I'm going to ride him until my 36. Fuck it. I enjoy riding dirt bikes. Chad Reed, fuck it. I like riding dirt bikes. Stop hounding these dudes because they're getting old. Who gives a shit? If they like riding, let them ride. Who cares? Justin won. He's a badass. Name another technical rider like Justin on our circuit. There's only a handful of dudes, okay? There's only a handful of dudes that can jump the shit that this guy does. The dude still whips hard. Check my Instagram, bros. He still throws it down. 19-year-old, what's up? Turn down. Hooks his foot under the foot peg. All kinds of young shit going on with Justin Brayton, all right? Some of that has to do with this bike and the team. So I'm getting all fired up now. All right, we're getting off topic. So anyway, if you have any questions about this podcast, you want to ask me questions about Justin Brayton's bike, you want to ask me questions about Tony Alessi. You want to ask me questions about how to make your Honda better. You know where to go. Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. I do my damnness to get back to you guys. But please, if you're going to email me, tell me a story. Tell me about you. Tell me your weight. Tell me your height. What do you ride? Don't just say, Kiefer, I want to make my bike faster. What do I do? Dude, I'm way too busy to answer that shit. Okay? Genuine questions. If you're losing sleep, you don't know the answers, that's when you email me. Okay? Just don't, I'm bored, I'm going to email Kiefer. Fuck that. I got shit to do. I will help you if you need help. If you need a friend, you need a pen pal, I'm not that guy. Okay? Let's be friends at the track. 
I don't got time to sit on my computer and email everyone. But I will email you, and this is what Kieferink testing does, if you have genuine questions, all right? I'm not Jody. I'm not MXA. I will take the time for you and give you real answers. But you have to give me real questions, all right? Thank you. You see, I'm a little fired up from emails lately, too. <laughs> but uh, if you guys want to order some shirts, head over to heather at keyforinktesting.com. Shirt orders only. No girl questions. Don't be hitting up on my wife. And that's about it. Again, thank you to the whole MCR team. You know, for you Honda owners out there, you know, that need some more power, or just want to, you know, shape the power. Hey, I'm a fan of Chad. I'm a fan of his work. Go check him out. He has his website, xprracing.com. And don't forget to root on Justin Brayton and the whole team. We'll have to wait till 2019 Supercross season, but he will come. And you will see an article all about this bike, keyforinktesting.com and pulpmx.com. Steve loves it. Steve's a Brayton fan. Who isn't? You know? That's it, guys. I'm tired. I rode all day. I'm old. That's all I got for you. And uh, we'll hit you back next week. We got a Dunlop intro. We have, what else do we got going on? Oh, we got WP, cone valve and tracks stuff for the Husqvarna Rockstar Dish. So that's coming up. We do it all here at KieferInkTesting.com, Kiefer Tested Podcast. Thank you, Fly Racing. Thank you, Racetech. Thank you, Rocky Mountain ATVMC. This had a big race in Utah. They were all there. It's very cool. And, of course, Skosh, S-C-O-K-T 25, gets you 25% off all the cool stuff Skosh offers. Rudder Racing t-shirts, hoodies, hats. Go to rudderracing.com, screenprintingdone.com. If you want to make up some shirts, you want to have a Trump shirt you want to make up, do it. Go to screenprintingdone.com. And if you guys want some good oil for your bike, bloodlubricants.com. B-L-U-D, not B-L-O-O-D. It's B-L-U-D, lubricants.com. Good synthetic oil. You guys know that I'm not a huge fan of synthetic stuff, but this stuff works. I've tried it. I've tested it for a while. And you can hit up them at bloodlubricants.com and get the Moto Blood 1040. Again, that's me. Kiefer, I'm out. I'm going to get this up to you guys. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for trusting in me to give you some feedback. And I hope to see you at the track. If you do, say hi. Come by. We'll talk shop. See ya.